From Pain to Purpose is a show that will bring inspiration, love, and healing to your lives. It's a show that will teach you that your trials and tribulations in life is only temporary and that it's only preparing you for your greatest calling. A show that will give you the courage to share your story with the world and not care what others may think or say. For your story is the key that will unlock someone else's prison. What was meant to kill you, God used it to prosper, restore, and strengthen you. To always remember that without pain, your purpose cannot be fulfilled into the power that God has ordained you to walk in. From Pain to Purpose by Aisha Monique. Stay tuned. Speak your truth. I'm your host, Aisha Monique, and today on the show, we have the realest writer, Tommy Gates. Welcome to Pain to Purpose Podcast, Tommy. Thank you for having me. No problem. Today's topic is depression. Tell us a little bit about where your depression began. Take us back to that moment. Where does my depression begin? Um, I feel like depression is the result of a traumatic situation in some cases. Um, I know in some other cases, the depression comes from deficiencies in your own life. In my situation, I would think it come from a traumatic situation, and I would say my whole childhood. And uh, my whole childhood consisted of a lot of child abuse and drama and violence and stuff like that. I don't think that specifically caused the depression. I think um, the main thing that caused the depression is um, having to deal with those particular issues, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, um, I think my depression comes from... Uh, Sometimes I have nightmares. I wonder how many people are really familiar with nightmares. I have so many nights where I wake up in the middle of the night like I've been in the pool. Um, I have nights where, I remember coming up as a child, my stepdaddy was always like Freddy Krueger to me because he was always chasing me. Uh-huh. And um, I wake up crying, I wake up frustrated, I wake up mad, and then I start my day off with that same spirit over me. Um. What would I say? Where else depression comes from? Um, another situation I would say has caused depression. You know, sometimes when you lose a loved one, you you, you become depressed. And that I lost my godmother, and you know, death is a natural course of life. But in my life, when you only have like one person and they leave you, mm-hmm. that leaves you to figure out life on on your own without that person, and that causes severe depression. And I think last but not least would be um, the absence of my kids. You know, if you have, it's kind of like death. You know, if you have something in your life and it's taken from you, moreover, if they're still alive and there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. that, that, would, that would be the main thing I would say about depression. When you have a bunch of issues, you can't figure out the answer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like depression has a lot of different stages. Can you talk a little bit more about your childhood because I know you said a lot of, of your trauma began there so can you talk a little bit more about your childhood it's nothing for me to flash out I can just say it talking to you in my mind in a whole other place I remember one particular situation my mom, I, it, it stuck in my head I remember my mama getting choked out in the corner and she like she couldn't breathe mm-hmm. 
And I remember it was by my stepdad. And I remember my mom was like a last little bit of breath saying, help me. And I looked like I was just like a little kid. So I wanted to help, but what can I do? So I looked like I wanted to help. And I remember him saying, if you bring over here, I'll kill you too. Mm. And I think my mama had a bottle or something in her hand until she dropped it. So I could just be chilling. And these memories that come in my head. That's like that house I grew up in. Mm. I don't like going by it. One day I drove by it. And there's new people on it. And it had a dirt hill in the yard. So when I saw the dirt hill, I just got nervous. And the reason, the significance of the dirt hill, when I was a little kid, normal kids on Saturday would be watching cartoons. I'd never forget. I'm sitting in the house, and I hear a dump truck beeping. Mm-hmm. I go run to the window, and I see a dump truck lined up, dumping dirt in the yard. And the dump truck's dirt was my project. We had a yard that was like about an acre. My job every day, religiously, was to get a real barrel and a shovel and go outside and level that whole pile of dirt. And the pile of dirt was taller than me, taller than me. So um, those traumatic situations, they stuck in my head. You know, I, I grew up getting called every curse word in the book. Uh, it's so It was so bad to like, I never had a name. He used to call me boy. Wow. And, uh, it became part of my behavior. So when I had my first son, his nickname was Boy. I didn't know what I, you know, I just called him that. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom worked at Savannah High. I had my first son. She was a lunchroom lady and I went to go pick her up. And uh, I told my mom, I said, Mama, um, I got a son, but I don't know how to love him because I don't know what love is. And she cussed me out. Really? <laughs> oh, she cussed me out. I will forget it then. <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? I grew up watching my daddy and my stepdaddy fight and have shootouts. Mm. You know, I remember one time uh, I'm standing at the front door. He went to pick me up. My mom bucked and let me go. So now my stepdaddy and my daddy arguing at the front door. My stepdaddy had a shotgun right by the door. He grabbed it and upped it on my daddy. Now my daddy stayed with plenty of guns. So he always had a 357, like the one on Boys in the Hood, the big long one. Mm-hmm. And he had, he always kept a, a, a double barrel with the salt with the, with the shot, with the sawed off. So he had the double barrel by the tire of the truck where he couldn't, my stepdaddy couldn't see it. And then he had the girl that was with him with the pistol. So he slapped my daddy and then pulled a shotgun and put it in my daddy's face. Mm-hmm. And my daddy just backed up. And he said he, he backed up to reach for the gun. And when he reached for it and grabbed it, he upped it on him, and this man, and I was standing by the window right there watching it. This man grabbed me and put me in the way and jumped away. And to this day, I had this conversation with my mama, and she acted like that didn't happen until my daddy brought it up, and a flashback came to my head. So it's like you could be a grown person, and something could trigger something, and next thing you know, it's in your head. So have you ever reached out to your stepfather and let him know the trauma that he has caused you in your life? I reached out to him with some bullets. I got a poem that I wrote. It is my first book. It is called Perfect Old Dreaming. And it's a sarcastic title because I was raised far from perfect. And the first part of it goes, technically I was raised perfectly home trained. I was in the house like a normal kid playing video games. I had a stepdad that taught me hate at a very early age. And I still wish he was dead up until this very day. There was chopper bullets through his house. Me and my home became to bring the drama. I'm about to learn this man by putting his hands on my mama. That's the first part of it. Mm. So, I reached out to him, all right. I tried to kill him. 
numerous times. Mm-hmm. Then, the, the, then it goes on to say it was a second attempt, it was a failed mission at the Savannah Courthouse. And if you think that I'm lying, my big mama could tell you what I'm talking about. I pulled up at the courthouse, because him and my mama had a battle over the house. Mm-hmm. I was in the courtroom studying. I went and sat right next to him, kicked his feet when I when mm-hmm. I sat next mm-hmm. to him, booted up at him like this right here. He kept hitting him, looking at him the whole time. So when he went on the stand, the bailiff told me to calm down, and I ain't never said nothing. I just was in my seat like this right here, because that day you gonna die. I had done told my mama, I'm gonna kill him. I had done told my mama, I'm gonna kill his man so many times. So many people know when I catch you, you out of here. So after the court got out, he was sitting on, on the side of the bench deliberating with his lawyer, and I walked out of the courtroom, and I stood in his face and shoved him. And then after that, my mom was there, my baby mom was there, and my mom was friend. So my mama friend was a lady named Miss Nancy. She an old church lady. So he said, boy, go on across the street. Go get one of them things you smoke. Calm down. <laughs> now I went to go get the scrap. So I pull up on the courthouse. I, at that point, at that, I didn't care about freedom or my life. I pulled up on the courthouse. And you know how they got the roundabout? I parked right there. Because when he come out, I'm going to blow his face off. But guess what? He saw me. And when I didn't know the courthouse had a back door. He got away. I rolled to his mama house. Told his brothers then when I catch him, I'm going to kill him. I rolled, he stayed in Pula, I thought at that time. I rolled through the whole Pula. So when you've got that much anger and stuff on you, and there's nothing you could do about it, it's like a high. Coming up, I used to get high off of uh, drama and gangster stuff, and I don't look like it, but, <laughs> you know, if, if it's time to do something, you know, I get adrenaline rush. Mm. You know, I done been in so many situations, and I got people that are vouch for it. My mama, plenty, plenty dudes. I done had shootouts on Highway 21. I done been on high-speed chases on Highway 21. Mm-hmm. Um, I done, and, and that's all that aggression and all that anger build up. And then when you get that high, it's like a, like a junkie high. Then now you got to come off or come down off it. And now you got to shake back because now you got to deal with all this psychological mess that's in your head because mm-hmm. I don't in, in past times I don't think like the normal person like say right now somebody step on your shoe and you'll be like hey you stepped on my shoe and they look at you crazy and you might want to fight or you might want to curse it was a time in my life I just want you dead wow. and it's people and I'm not the only person that think like that it's people mm-hmm. that's worse than me mm-hmm. this is our society we live in mm-hmm. and if you can't get a hold of that you end up becoming crazy mm-hmm. my solution to every problem was he got to die and that sounded like some crazy stuff or some, mm-hmm. some gangster stuff, but in all actuality, I dealt with so much turmoil in my head, looking at me wrong, turning into something way outside of mm-hmm. what it should be. Okay. What about, I know you said that um, you reached out to your mom and you told her that you you know you don't know how to love. Like, how is your relationship with your kids now? Do, do you show them more love, the love that you haven't received as a child? Or what... Like, how do you love them, or do well, you still know how, not know how to love them? Well, in the, in the beginning, their whole life, I had an excellent relationship with my kids, because this was my formula. I'm going to do and give them everything I never got and received. And my, my foundation for it was the Cosby Show. Okay. That was the only family I saw was the Cosby Show. I never saw no real family. All my homeboys, nobody had no daddy. You know, we grew up, and it was like, hey, you got a daddy? Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> I didn't have a formula to go by. So I went by what I saw on TV. And I went by what I saw at my godmama house between her, her husband, and their daughter. Mm-hmm. Which they were older, so I couldn't pick up so much. But 
I aspired to give them everything I never had. So I had a great relationship. The only thing that messed that up was their mamas. Okay. So now I don't have a relationship with three of them. How does that affect you and your now, depression? That's that that's where the real depression comes from. That's where it goes back to what I told you. Um like somebody dying. You know what I wrote my second book. I got a poem called I'm sorry. I sat in the house with a fifth of EJ. Got towed up and I put a chair in front of me. And I visualized my son in the chair. And everything that I was saying to him, I wrote it down. So, um, it's like Dealing with death. Um, I got so many lines in my book, and they come back to me like scriptures, because you can't kill something that's ready to die. You know, it's been so many times. You know, even as a kid, I wanted to kill myself. I didn't have the nuts to. I think I did something like put the tongue across my face, and then when I couldn't breathe, and I took it back <laughs> off. You know, so it wasn't severe, yeah. traumatic suicide. It was just the thought, but the thought, the thought. The thoughts always on my mind. I was thinking about death this whole weekend. This weekend? Because um, I got a invitation to my son's graduation. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a functional relationship in five years. So I was wondering, do we really want to be at this graduation or just a setup? Because it's going to be a bunch of people that I don't fuck with. And it's hard to be around people I got a problem with. I'm better with it, maintaining my anger and all that, but um, it's been challenging. Like, uh, in the beginning of the situation, the dysfunction of my kids, my mama and my sister, my baby mamas are the culprit behind it. So we was in Louisiana, my uncle died, my family from Louisiana. We went to the funeral in Platinum, Louisiana. That was like one of the hardest days ever because that was my first time seeing my mama and my sister since the, the problems I got. Hmm. And, um, when I saw them, I missed the whole funeral because I was talking to God to keep me together because my plan was to knock them out in front of that casket. Like, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I got under control now, okay. but my whole life, I flash out and crash out anywhere on anybody. I don't care who you is. I don't care if you're a, a preacher, a pastor, my mama, your grandma, anybody. I don't spare nobody. But that was the older, younger me. Now, at an older age now, I'm mature enough and wise enough to know its consequences with your actions. So I, I shun away from those kind of situations and I try to be proactive because I know me. The, the biggest thing about controlling anger, frustration, and depression, you have to first know yourself. It's like having a sickness. You gotta know that what you sick. You gotta know you sick. You gotta know you got a problem okay. because you won't be proactive and when situation come your way, it'll overtake you. So. To add insult to injury, I'm dealing with that. So the whole time I'm looking, at, I'm praying to God. I missed the whole funeral because I'm so connected with God. God, I need you right now. Mm-hmm. I know me. I look to my right, my left, and who I see, my stepdaddy in him. Mm-hmm. I ain't. I'm, I'm here in Savannah. We from Savannah, but we in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. This man in the church in Platinum, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Now I know Louisiana now. Like, I can get right by the back of my hand. A, a, a person to get rid of you there. And that was my plan. When I saw him, oh, you gonna die today in Plaquemine, Louisiana. <laughs> so, that's the devil talking to me. But I'm talking to God. So I got up out of the church and I went and got the, the car. By, by then I was with my own, my ex, I was married with my wife. And she came to see what was wrong with me. I was sitting in the car with a pistol. And I was talking to God the whole time. 
because I'm going to kill you today. But I'm me and God's conversation was so deep till they done took the body out of the church, done went to the burial, and then I go looking for the burial. I couldn't find him. So I see it on Facebook, my sister at the burial, and they all day, I'm like, well, I got to get there. It's a hole for him. Mm-hmm. I couldn't never find him. So do you still feel that way about him? I, I don't think about it. Um, I, so you su- kind of suppress I, I, it? I just, I done pushed it off. He don't be in my dreams no more. You know, I, I done got bigger than that now. I don't think about it. Um, I remember was one time I called him in Carl Village. I was at, you know, I'm still cool with the side of the family. Mm-hmm. And he happened to pull up. And I just was looking at him and smoking. They ain't say nothing. Then I left. And I called my mama. I'm like, mama, I saw my sister in the bed. She was like, and so? I said, I ain't kidding. She was like, boy, you call me for this foolishness? <laughs> she didn't think it's that serious. Mm-hmm. But that was a milestone to me. Mm-hmm. Because I fought so hard because he went to prison for five years. Mm-hmm. I told God, don't let me see him because I'm going to kill him. It's on site, wherever. And he went to prison for five years. And that gave me enough time to get strong enough to heal. Because as long as I keep bumping into you, I'm, I'm going to take care of the business. So he was more a part of your trauma. He was the beginning of the beginning of your trauma. Okay, gotcha. When I was a kid, my name was what of a punk, a faggot, of whatever every little country name you could have called me. I was all that. I was. I don't remember calling me my name. Do you know why? Like to this day, do you want to reach out to him to kind of ask him so that you can help heal yourself? Because it's like uh. Like, think about super, like, Marvel movies or something. And think about the Joker. And I, f- I forgot how it actually went, but he got burnt and he fell in that chemical and he's all messed up. Now, and it, it, he's deranged and all now. Now I've grown into a whole nother person. It's best to look with what the old people say, let lying dogs lie. Okay. And, and, I, and I deal with me because now it's bigger than him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like venom. You just watch that show, it's in me now. Mm-hmm. You know, so now without God, I'm not. I wouldn't be functional. Okay. So how do you cope with your depression? Like, what do you do? Do you prayer? Mm-hmm. I talk to God religiously. Um, in my sleep, unconsciously, when I'm writing, sometimes it's like I'm praying. I don't wrote poems, and it really be me praying. Um, other than that. Sometimes uh, smoking and drinking, you know, I stopped smoking weed, but I smoke, I smoke a lot and I drink a lot. Like I have times where, depending on how I'm feeling, like I'll be drinking a fifth of liquor every day and, and look at you, I don't feel, I'm not high, I'm not drunk, I'm nothing. It just sedates me. I wrote a poem in my last book called E&J, and that's like a, treat, a cheap drink, but I still got a taste for the stuff I was drinking when I was a teenager. And I drink a fifth of that every day. People will look at me crazy like, you about to drink all that? And I just be drinking and they calm me down. So when did the writing and uh, writing of the books begin? I, start, I started writing when I was like 19, I was 19. And I started writing for real when my godmother died. Because she, I used to always talk to her. I go sit on the porch with her and I talk about everything. So I got stuff off my chest. When she died, I ain't had nobody talk to. I wasn't even comfortable to talk to nobody because um, I was already training 
to not talk about what's going on in my house. Mm-hmm. So I was already trained not to say nothing. And um, that's where the writing came from. Personal diary to myself. Okay, and so that's how you got. That's how you found your purpose through your pain, because you talk. You talk about different. Well, that, that was a talent that was hidden, and when I gave my life to God when I turned eighteen, God, that's that's a whole story. That's like that's what makes make making this next book relevant, because God created me and turned me into a whole other person. You know, I was, uh, you know, not like today's traditional Christians where they just go to church and talk that. You know, I lived it, you know, speaking in tongues, uh, praying for people going house to house. I was a, a, a foot soldier. So that showed me my purpose. And then I connected. Now I connect that with my talent. Okay. And why do you call yourself the realest writer? Because everything I write really did happen. It's, it's not one situation I wrote and it's fabricated, not by one word or one line. It's my truth. So I write about reality and I translate that into the realest writer. And what kind of feedback do you get about your personal stories that you written in your book? What kind of feedback do you get? I had from a young people? lady hit me up yesterday. And this weekend but like I said, been a rough week because I got the invitation from my son. And I'm happy that he graduated because that was the goal. I'm just upset that I missed the ride. And um I've been distraught this weekend. And then um, I get a call yesterday morning. No, I get an inbox. Somebody, you know, people all around the world ask me, could they talk to me? And it's like I'm, I turn into a pastor mode. And she said, uh, your work really inspired me because I'm going through some tough times right now. And she, I wrote in one of my lines where I said something about title pawn repossess my car or something in one of my poems. And she said that same thing just happened to her. And I talk about homelessness. And I had times where I lived on the street. And she said she was going through some of that. And when I talk about my mama, she said her mama hates her too. And I asked her, did she mind hearing something that I wrote for my next book? And the poem is called Motherless Child. And she started breaking down crying. And then the day before that, somebody from another state called me. And for the last past two years, I've been getting conversations with people from around the whole world and they flooding to me saying keep doing what you're doing you're telling my story wow. so how does your family members how do they react to what you have written well, in your book my daddy's side of the family they like right on because they know it's the truth mm-hmm. they were the, the victims to the situation my mama's side of the family I'm uncertain you know um, they quiet um, they stay in Louisiana I feel like I know they talk behind my back. I know it's, it's, it's some of them that don't don't like me. I don't care. None of them don't have the nuts to say nothing to me. Everyone knows what kind of person I could be, and there's no one in my family that could beat me, stop me, or do nothing about it. So I really don't care. So the ones that got love for me and they support me, I'm appreciative of them. But don't none of them want to be my enemy. You know, I actually was going to Maryland. And my sister stays in Virginia. And I had to fight with myself not to get off 16 to go to Virginia to serve her. So I'm constantly being, I have to fight my flesh from not going to do some unethical, violent stuff. Because I got so much pain in me until I, I lived by a moral when I was young. 
because I feel like nobody paid me attention. But one thing that got their attention is pressure. You apply pressure to somebody to get their mind right. Okay. So how like how now is your relationship with your sister? Is well, it the sister your I got mom? here, that's that's like my best friend. I don't got a relationship with my mom and my sister. Um, Do I'm you not, desire a relationship with your mom's sister? No, I'm straight. I remember when I was a kid, I looked my mom in her eye. She had done did something and she was putting me out. Uh, you know, mom used to do torturous stuff. She talked trash to me and then get my sister to stand right there and watch. And just go in and call me everything in the book and put me out and all this. And um, I told my mom, I look my mom in the eye and I say, I'm going to leave. And the next time I'll see you, you'll be in your casket. So what I'm trying to figure out, why were you the target? If you had other siblings, why did they target my you? Mama, my mama hated my daddy. I looked just like him. I act just like him. I talk just like him. I make jokes just like him. My daddy was a big dude, and from what I heard, he wasn't nobody to play with neither. My daddy was also a God-fearing man, too, and he was successful. Um, some In some cases with some women, when they can't have what they want, they don't want you to have what you want. And now I deal with some of the same things in, in my life with my turn. Uh, I think every time mama looked at me, she saw my daddy, and she hate that. So my mama always treated me like, you know, she hate me. And I'm not going to say 100% of the time, I'll just say 90. But even to this day, I'm still questioning, like, you know, she'll tell her friends she loved me, she lying, because love is an action word. You know, I could I could be in a relationship, and I could tell a woman I love her all day, but I'm beating her up every day, too. So mm -hmm. it's that love. What advice could you give to those who don't have anyone to talk to but is drowning in depression? What advice could you give to them to kind of help cope with their issues? You better find the Lord because God's power is stronger than any medicine. God's power is stronger than any physical man. Without God, you ain't going to survive. I don't think it's a cure for my condition. I just got, I got to live with it. I think God allows everyone to have a thorn in their side in some situation. It's all about how you handle it. Because because of my situation, look what it has made me into. You know, so I would say, God, without God, you ain't going to make it. They, I, I went to the doctor. They gave me medicine and all that. I'm not taking that. Mm -hmm. So it could distort me and slow me down and all that and take away my um, how I function. So I'm, I religiously pray. And for the people that don't know who God is, that's where your research comes in at. And you opening up your spirit. How can your the the listeners find you? Um, I'm on social media, I'm on Facebook and I go under Tommy Gates and on IG I go under the realest writer with underscores in between each word. And after the last under it's the realest writer now on two underscores in between everything. And how can they purchase a book? Um, I'm on Amazon. You can go on Amazon.com and put in my name and my titles of my books. The one, the first one is Why I Don't Smile. The second one is Unhappy Ever After. The third one should be out next month called Freedom. And you can get it on Amazon if you like, not from Savannah, but primarily in Savannah. I've been pulling up on thousands, well, over a thousand, almost 2,000 people. And is there any shout-outs you want to give to anyone? Shout-outs and the topic is, uh, I, I, 
only shout out I can give out is to heaven because I have a connection with my godmama spirit. I don't know if it's just my mental thing, but it been times that I'm about to lose it. Like, brain about to lock up. And I remember crying and keep calling my godmama. And I call, I call, I call. And next you know, some spirit give me some strength. Uh, um, her words always in my head. We talk so much till when I want to make the wrong decision or when I have made the wrong decision, what she done told me come back to come back to me. And it helps me to make better the right decision. Gotcha. Well, I know you said that you coming up, she taught you to what goes on in your house to stay in your house. No, she didn't teach me that. She didn't teach you that? No, that's what my mom Your mom that situation taught me. Okay, so since your mom told you that what made you go against her and write it all in the book? First of all, I've been going against my mom. I'm a rebellious person. So I was going against my mama because at 14, me and my mama got put out. My stepdaddy beat me up, beat her up, put both of us out. My mama told us we was going to move to Louisiana. Instead of us going to Louisiana, she went back to him and gave me, and my godmama got custody of me. So time went by. He went to prison. My mama still had the house. I ended up mending with my mama, going back with my mama, but we never got along. So I wasn't listening to nothing she was telling me. So in my teenage years, I was a hardhead, you know, uh, selling drugs, toy pistol, being in the project. And we just always bump heads. And a lot of it was because me being rebellious, I didn't respect her anymore for what she did. And um, so as far as me writing a book, I don't care how she feels. It's my story. You know, I was told to be quiet all my life. I put my, I started writing. It wasn't to make a book. It was for my therapy. And someone dared me to put my writing up on social media. And when I put it up, people loved it. But in the beginning, they thought I was tripping because they didn't know, like, Tommy don't talk. So I put all that stuff out, and people kept telling me every day, write another one, write another one. Because I wasn't simply writing about my mama. Mm -hmm. I, I never, I didn't sit down and write a book about my mama or about my sister or about anybody. I was just telling my story. And um, I've heard, you know, her friends don't told her I done got into it with some of her friends and I ain't gonna say get into it because I ain't nobody I, ain't, I don't get into it I'm just gonna handle it <laughs> so um I had I told her what I had to say and I told her because she got on my page and she said that didn't happen and I politely told her were you in my house when it was going on did you put food in my refrigerator when it was empty did you pay any of our bills when my mom used to be on the bed crying about these bills or when something got cut off from here did you I never saw you so, if you know what's best for you, don't ever get back on my page again because I'll pull up on you. And I ain't had a problem with Well, I thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Until next time, Pain to Purpose Podcast with Asia Monique. Until next time from Pain to Purpose Podcast with Aisha Monique. You can find me on Facebook at Aisha Monique. And you can also find me on Instagram at underscore Aisha, A-I-S-H-A underscore Monique, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E.